Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Spring Breakers. Where's the money? Money, money. What? You know. <laughs> All I know is I'm not gonna sit here another day. Spring break. How are we gonna get enough money? I don't know. We're the only ones still here. Spring break. Tired of seeing the same thing. Spring break. It's your chance to see something different. Spring break. Just get that cash. Pretend like it's a video game. We can do this. Spring break. <laughs> Y'all, you can change who you are, y'all. Bikinis and big booties, y'all. That's what life is about. Who are you? My name's Aileen. Why are you here? I saw y'all in there. They like nice people. Come on, y'all. Why acting suspicious? <laughs> I knew y'all special from the moment I saw you. It's written on your faces. Cause I just have a really, really bad. About this. Let's cause some trouble now. Break, break, bitches! I got my dark tanning oil. Lay out by the pool. This is the American dream, y'all. Spring break. Y'all wanna die tonight? Spring break. Get down! I'm scared, aren't you? Forever. Spring break forever, bitches. My loneliness oh, is killing me and I. I must confess, I still believe, still believe. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, film editor from Time Out New York, David Fear, and tonight's guest. Harmony Kareen. Ladies and gentlemen, Harmony Kareen. Let's start from the beginning. I know originally you had been collecting, you said you'd been collecting a bunch of images around Spring Break or images of Spring Breakers as reference material for paintings you were working on, right? Yeah. So at, at what point did the switch go off in your brain where you're like, there's a film in here? Um, I was just, uh, I don't know, I, I, I just, I, I dreamt up this image of uh, girls in bikinis in, uh, on a beach with uh, like pink ski masks robbing like fat tourists and uh, it was just a, a, I kind of thought it was a cool image and it was something kind of funny about it, something kind of scary and I just I kind of thought about it and then I developed the characters and the story. I was like, if they were going to exist in real life, how would that work? And then I just developed it from there. I mean, one could hazard a guess as to what the culture of Spring Break, why it might interest you. I mean, I can certainly say why it interests a lot of guys. But what was it specifically about that culture where you were like, this is fascinating, this is incredible, this is, this is weird? Well, I didn't actually want to make a film that was like an expose or documentary or something on Spring Break. It was more of like a feeling. It was more trying to make something that was more like a pop poem or something that was more experiential or make a film that was more like almost like a, a drug experience uh, 
something that was more hallucinatory and, and transcendent. And I had thought that there were all these elements to it that there, there was these kind of hypersexualized, hyperviolent image, imagery or subject matter, but then around it, to the sides and all around it, swirling around it, were these kind of childlike, kind of almost like pop culture little girly indicator, you know, nail polish and Hello Kitty bags and uh, Mountain Dew bottles and puke everywhere. So it was kind of, uh, spoke to me. It's weird. I don't know if anybody here in the audience has actually been to a spring break in Florida. I went once many years ago. I obviously never went back. But there is this weird mixture. We used to call it like the Disney version of Caligula because there's all this like hedonism and bacchanalia going on. And then like you said, you'll see somebody come out like chewing gum with a like Hello Kitty backpack. It's such a weird juxtaposition of stuff. Yeah, and I like that, that those things working together but and uh, simultaneously. And then, but really what I was most interested in is what happens because it's really actual spring break is kind of fleeting. It's more like a dream. It's more metaphor or something. And then... It's more for me about what happens when Alien, James Franco's character, kind of uh, bails them out of jail and he takes them into a, that world is more interesting, the kind of crime world, the, uh, the, the, the trap houses off the, off the strip, the kind of beach noir or that, like, uh, you know, um, dilapidated yachts in the back of, uh, you know, beach houses uh, uh, late at night, the kind of beach noir Florida menace that I that I always felt about that place. It was more about that type of thing. Yeah, it's got a it's got a very Vice City element to yeah. it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it's an excellent use of music in this film, I have to say. But when you were writing this, did you? It's kind of structured like a piece of music, like a piece <coughs> of electronic music or a like a certain kind of classical music where there's weird repetitions and then it'll get discordant and then it gets very harmonious. Was this going through your head as you were sort of putting the story together and writing the script? Yeah, because I wanted to make the movie, again, something closer to like a drug experience. This one is like kind of trippy and, and physical and hallucinatory. And so I had, uh, I had, I wasn't trying to make a movie that was like an expose or a documentary. It was something that was more impressionistic uh, um, and, and, and filtered through something more imaginative. And so I had uh, started to develop and play with this idea of, of, of micro scenes in the movie or things that would happen very quickly and then repeat and come back a kind of liquid narrative that was about more or less about energy and about a type of rhythm and a, a, like a, almost like a peak transcendence and then boom, it like disappears into the, you know back into the night. Something closer to what you experience with drugs or electronic music or even pop music in some ways that loop-based things that are sampled and come back and repeat repetition and some of the stuff that you hear and see is almost like cinematic hooks or something like wormholes like in you would hear in like a pop song <laughs> and so much like so much contemporary pop it, is takes a lot of that stuff from electronic music too so it, it feels like it's this weird almost parasitic relationship yeah. between the two and the music what that was to your point the music is that is is very much about the experience. It's a it's very much this kind of bombastic, very pummeling uh, kind of uh, relentless and also beautiful type of interplay with the images. So if you look at your cast, and I, I'm sure that you you know you cast this film 
they're very talented actresses. I don't want to think that you you called it like conceptual stunt casting. In I actually pieces. never said that. So I read that in the Times yeah, article, yeah, yeah. and I, I I never said I said it wasn't conceptual. I, the unt part. Yeah. Uh, um, but there is a, there you could say that there's a conceptual uh, uh, sub maybe theme or connection, which I was interested in. Yeah, if you yeah, look at the yeah. cast, you've got somebody who's on a Disney Channel show, you've got somebody who's on an ABC Family show, and then you've got somebody who most people, even though she's 24 now, I believe, most people associate her with the high school musical stuff. So obviously, I mean, when you were going into the casting thing, or even in the writing process, were you thinking like, God, you know what would be amazing? Is if I got these actresses that are associated with a certain strain of like nice girl pop culture and then I could just totally fuck with it that much more. Well, there's a couple of things. I like again, I never think of the films as as stunts or or tricks or anything. I mean, I th you always want the movie to work as a piece in and of itself most first and foremost that the film must work as a piece as a as a movie in a pure way on its own. Now having said that, I was definitely also excited by the idea of these girls uh, who in real life are some ways tied into and representative of a type of pop mythology. I was excited about them coming into this film and having it work in, in that way as well. Um, and also, uh, I thought it was cool because they were of the culture. They were of that world in some ways. And so um, it, it kind of, yeah, worked all around. So when you, when you went to these young actresses, with this script, were you were they ready to basically kind of put a stake through this persona that they'd had? Is these sort of nice girls in these tween shows? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. You know, I never. It's weird. I never ever had one conversation about that with them. Like, I never had any conversation. Like that was never brought up. Really, what was brought up was that they were excited to try something that was completely outside the realm of anything they'd done. They were all excited to do something more graphic, more you know, more innovative, more, as far, you know, acting a completely different uh, style and to kind of show their range and stuff. They were, I mean, it was pretty amazing for me and surprising it still is that the film even exists with yeah. them in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I remember hearing um, hearing people be like, Ugh. like before they'd even seen the film, they would basically saw that billboard that was up in uh, on the Quisotic Con and they'd just be like, oh, Harmony Kareen's doing a movie with a bunch of Disney channels. What a sellout. And you see this movie, like, this is the last movie you make when you want to sell out. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. make a drug trance film yeah. about a bunch of young yeah. women just going buck wild But it's cool. Like, I like people when they think that. It's awesome. Like, I think it's great. Like, let them think that, and then they see the movie, and, you know, <laughs> it's, it's cool. Like, I, I think it's all, it's all good. I, I love the notion that there may be, like, a small handful of Selena Gomez fans out there that are just like, oh, we love her in the Wizards of Waverly. Let's yeah. go check this out. And then they walk out two hours later just like, completely yeah. blown away yeah I love that <laughs> I love that hopefully eventually one day when they're old enough they'll all see it now Selena Gomez's mom was a fan of yours I've heard yeah yeah Mandy yeah yeah. so she was just like oh my god Julian Donkey Boy we gotta let's get you in this movie yeah, and she, she came and audition for they you they were like and Selena was like a huge Trash Humper fan so it was like <laughs> it's pretty trippy it makes you know you can never guess you never know yeah so it was pretty amazing so she came and auditioned for you in your living room I've heard? yeah they flew out to Nashville and and uh, because I, I was, I called this lady was, you know, we were working with the casting lady, and you know, it's like, who do you want to be in the film? I said, well, I would love, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Selena would, you know, just be the dream. And then the next day, they were like, she's flying to your living room. And I was wow. like, whoa. And then, 
I didn't know anything about her personally, and so I just started flipping over all my artwork and stuff because I didn't want to freak her out. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the research period you had. You went down to a couple of hotels in Florida during spring break while you were writing this, right? Yeah, we. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I wrote it during spring break like two years ago, uh, and and uh, I tried to write it in Daytona Beach, and it was just <clears throat> bikers and stuff. I didn't see any spring breakers, and then I drove to uh, Panama City. Holiday Inn, like Ground Zero on the beach. It was pretty nuts. The whole hotel was shaking. People just boning. Like I saw, like a I found a jawbone in a chandelier at a Days Inn, and uh, uh, just like debauchery to the extreme. Uh, um, and uh, then I, um, but I couldn't write in that environment either. Taylor Swift music and puke. And like I uh, mutually exclusive, I'm sure. Yeah, and then I got in a uh, car and I drove like 20 minutes outside to like a Marriott hotel, and uh, it was just a sea of dwarfs uh, there. And then I was like, "What's up with this?" It's just dwarfs, and I was like, "What's going on?" And the lady was said they were they were shooting a Hulk Hogan reality show, <laughs> and um, so I like wrote of it course. there, and it and I and I and it was perfect because it was just so you know, so awful. I just wanted to leave. So I wanted to write as fast as I could at night. It would just be these guys smoking cigars in a, in a, on hot, in hot tubs, dwarfs. So, so you've written this and you've got this cast and then you go actually film in Tampa, right? Tampa Bay. Uh, we filmed in, um, uh, yeah, Tampa was like the strip club stuff. And then we filmed in uh, St. Pete, St. Petersburg and the, yeah, and some in Sarasota. So you've got this cast that has a pretty rabid following, yeah. and you're in the middle of spring break, and you're trying to make this movie. What were you thinking? Like, this must have just been chaos. Mm, yeah, I mean, the scene, it was, a lot of it was chaos, but, you know, it needed to be chaos. The movie, you know, dealt with chaos. So it was, yeah, technically it was really difficult. I mean, I'd never obviously worked with people like that who had such crazy fans that would follow them. It was nuts people in, hiding out in floorboards and stuff and in hallways wow. and I could always smell menthol cigarettes burning. Their fa- a lot of their fans smoke menthols for some reason. <laughs> uh, for those of you who haven't seen the film yet, you, you are with these girls for about half the movie and then they get thrown in the clink briefly and then they get bailed out by Alien, who's played by James Franco. Before we get into this, let me just show you a little clip of Alien in action. Who are you? My name's Aileen. My real name's Al, but truth be told, I ain't from this planet, y'all. Alien? They call me. Why are you here? I saw y'all in there. They like nice people. Thought maybe I'd bail you out. Why? Why not? Come on, y'all. Why act suspicious? Get in. Where are we going? Go wherever you all want. Cotty. Got the right idea? Come on. I'll be your chauffeur. You all can play Beyonce. <laughs> uh, how did you and James Franco come up with this character? This guy is amazing. Yeah, well, I wanted to make an amazing character, and I've been wanting to work with him for a while, and we were friends and done some stuff together, but I had never had the right part, and so... It was just like, uh, I, when I was figuring out the movie, I, I, I was trying to think like what type of person would seduce these girls and kind of, you know, take them under their wing and blah, 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 and introduce them to crime. And, and I, I just, I, you know, I, I grew up in the South and I still live there now and it's like a kind of a classic 
archetypal like you know white white gangster black mannerisms it's like a thing I you know a lot of like kids I used to ride the bus with white kids that would rap with cornrows and gold teeth and like uh, I you know there, it was funny and intriguing and then I wanted it to be that and then I wanted it to be go into something like hyper insane and almost like some type of gangster mystic somebody who's like a sociopath and a, like almost has this kind of crazy charisma poetic charisma and that was like equal parts horrifying and and beautiful and so i for a year before doing it i would just send him images uh reference photos video clips audio clips you know rap music from the you know from memphis from the 90s just things that i thought were specific that his character would know or, or cadences it was supposed to be something regional and specific and and then he went to, uh, when uh, he came down to St. Petersburg when we were prepping the movie, and I put him together with this guy uh, named Dangerous, and who was kind of like the real, the real, the real deal in some ways, and they spent some time together. Uh, and then Franco filtered it all through Franco, and that's what he became. Yeah, I, I can just picture you guys being like, okay, well, this is what we want to do, and this is probably what Alien could be like, and then him just showing up either like in rehearsal or on set in costume and just being like, it's fucking Scarface from Saturn. Like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, like a cosmic gangster. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. the kind of guy that he'll... He's incredibly menacing in this film, and then he'll put his machine gun down, and he'll play... He'll, like, serenade the girls with the Britney Spears song on a piano. Yeah. How did you guys come up with that scene? I don't know. I just dreamt it up. It's a, it's amazing. It's everything that I like about your movies, in which it's totally odd and really fucked up and yeah. incredibly beautiful all at the same time. Yeah, you try to go for things that, or at least I try to, you got to go for things that are almost inexplicable or that work in some way that's beyond a simple like articulation as to you know. It's almost like you try. I try to make work where it's hard to imagine how it could exist. You know what I mean? That you you that. You want it to almost seem like it just fell from the sky or something, you know? Like, um, and so that seems like one of them. Yeah, something I carried around that song and that idea for a long time, for a couple of years, and this was the right movie to do that. Yeah, you you talked about how it's this very innocuous pop song with all this weird pathological flotsam and jetsam going on under it, which is a pretty good metaphor for this movie. It yeah. looks all beautiful and bright yeah. with this great sheen on it, and then underneath it is just like yeah excess yeah the it's song is like that and you want i want to make a film that looks like candy in some ways it was tonal and it looked like it was lit with like starburst you know <laughs> or, or skittles for lenses and like that's like what i wanted the film to be textural and 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 the the character of the film to be something very much in the details and the in the tone and the movies are about a feeling and so um and so then all the it's about a, also a culture of surfaces, you know, the way things look and the way people perform and all this stuff. And then all the kind of meaning and pathology is the residue. It's the bleed of, from the candy. Well, there's something kind of performance-based about the whole notion of spring break anyway because it's all these kids that are, they've seen this stuff on MTV or they've like, seen it in the culture and they're like, hey, I'm, I got a week off from college and I meant spring break, so this is how I act. I put on, yeah. like, I get really shit-faced and I put yeah. on well, bikinis. It's, and it's just like that now in general because just the... The way when I was a teenager, it was more about like disappearing. Like it was more like a shadow culture. Like we were just trying to get away from everything and sleep on rooftops and hide out and not call our parents for a long time. Just disappear. You, like you didn't want. You wanted to be lost. And now it's you, everyone wants to be found. 
and everyone just wants to uh, know what everyone's doing every second of the day. It's a different, I don't know if it's what's better or what's worse, but it's just a different, uh, the way people communicate, they express themselves is more performative. There's less in- introspection or less a personal space and more about a kind of public display. Like everyone now wants to just be found and give it away. Yeah. Whereas like before you wanted to like run away. Do you think that that's, uh, that's part of what fascinates you about bad behavior in general and like what, why you keep going back to it in your work? Because even in the movies that you've made where trash is not getting humped, like there's a lot of bad behavior on display and a yeah. weird kind of almost like gleeful celebration of yeah. just going out and fucking shit up. Yeah. I mean, I could say a lot of things about bad behavior and stuff. You know, I think at a, I think maybe it's just that I always acted bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I always got in a lot of trouble, and I, I find it thrilling. So, <laughs> uh, like let's, let's open this up to the audience. Do you guys have any questions? Hi, Mr. Kareen. Long-time hey. admirer of you. Thanks hey. for all you've done. Thanks. Um, I'm just curious if you plan on working with Larry Clark again in the near future, or any future for that matter. Uh, it's not. It's not like uh, anything I would. I've, I've thought about really, but um, yeah. I mean, I haven't never really thought about it. But if he, if he would be open to doing something else, do you think you guys might collaborate on something? I don't know. You know, it feels like, you know, we're, we're gone, done separate things, and I, I know. I mean, I wish him all the best, and uh, you know, he's a great artist, so. Uh, but uh, you know, pro- you know, I, I, it would be pretty strange for that to happen. <laughs> hey man, uh, great stuff. Uh, I was just wondering. You said like Starburst kind of uh, colors bleeding, kind of uh, the colors out of that. I know you worked with uh, director Gaspar No, really amazing filmmaker, on uh, uh, a project together in the past. And I'm wondering if his kind of color palette influenced you. Enter the Void seems to be a really uh, uh, striking resemblance in terms of the color palette. Well, same cinematographer, Benoit to be shot it. Um, but uh, no, I never worked with Gaspar. I mean, we're good friends, but we never did anything. No documentaries, no. I mean, I, there was maybe a TV show that followed him around Nashville with hang out but, with me, but, I, no, but nothing like collaborative uh, creatively. But um, I mean, I love Gaspar. He's, he's, he's like one of my closest friends and a soldier of cinema. It's like the look of this film is so integral to that kind of druggy trance thing that you're doing. And obviously, like if anybody who's seen Enter the Void, they know that Benoit can do that beautifully. Um, it seems like it's a really good collaboration between the two of you here, which is that kind of weird pop neon nightmare thing that's going on. Yeah, Benoit's one of my favorites. He's incredible. He's like super innovative and really, again, like you know, you're trying to make a film in some ways that doesn't work like a a normal movie or it's a different type of experience. It's something that is more uh, physical and so he's really good at interpreting that and 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 kind of uh, and he's yeah he's like super super inventive and he's uh, yeah he's amazing. Hi, lovely to be here. We talked about music earlier, but I was just wondering um, how Gucci Mane got involved in you know the specific people that are actually in the movie or the music that you're using from them, how that whole collaboration happened. Gucci, uh, just like one, I just love Gucci, just like one of my favorites. And like, I always like think Gucci's like the greatest trap rapper ever. And like, he's got like the best voice and just like his whole thing. He's, Gucci's just like, to me, he's like Frank, Sin- you know, he's like, fr- the, like the, the trap Frank Sinatra. And like, um, 
And so, again, you know, you want to work with people whose energy you're connected to. And uh, I just want to work with Gooch. And I, when I read the script, uh, I was like, he's all, you know, he's the only person I wanted. And then I called his manager, Coach K. And I was like, Coach, what's up? Where's Gucci? And he's like, Gucci's in jail. And then uh, we called Gucci in jail. And I said, like, that was the first time I talked to him. I was like, as long as, you know, I was like, stay out of trouble, you know, and don't reoffend. And when you get out, they have a part waiting for you. And that's that's what uh, <laughs> that's what happened. He, he got out and just shot that right away. <laughs> so if there's any felons that are watching this, uh, Harmony may have a part for you. So just keep on the straight and narrow. <laughs> I'm gonna do an only felon movie. <laughs> <laughs> all felons all the time. Uh, any more questions? Uh, hi. Uh, I was wondering, like, what are you gonna do next? Like, what's your next film? Oh, and. Did uh, James Franco rap at all in this movie? Yeah, he raps in there. Yeah, there's a, yeah, he, he raps a couple. Did times. Gucci help at all? Uh, no, he no he, uh, nope. I don't think so. No, he he spent time with some of the guys, local guys that the character is loosely based on. Okay, and when are you gonna? What, uh, oh, like what am I working on next? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I've been I've just been sitting at home making paintings. I've been like making artwork and and keeping to myself mostly. So, I'll probably just. I'm going to make, make some more artwork and then I'm starting to think about writing again another script and some ideas, so ho hopefully another movie next year. There's a sequence in this movie where James Franco basically walks around his bedroom and shows off all the stuff that he's got to the girls. Um, so I'm going to pitch this to you. Do a three-hour version of that scene and yeah. just call it Alien Resurrection. Someone else... <laughs> that's good. Someone else asked for that, too, like a 10-hour version because it's, oh very, it's, it's so, so amazing. entertaining. Yeah, it's very compelling. He just goes through his room and picks up everything and just talks about, look at my shit. <laughs> I got Scarface on repeat. Yeah, he comments on everything he has in his house. It's, it goes on forever. I mean... I mean, we shot it. It went on forever. Like the extent, you could almost do a whole film of that. Didn't you say there was like there's like a half hour real yeah. time cut of him just walking around the room, yeah. picking up bottles of tanning oil and just stuff? like tanning oil, nunchucks, throwing stars, uh, Cheetos. <laughs> every, I mean, swords. It's incredible. Like bubble gum, <laughs> Kool Aid, alien dolls. Oh, I forgot about the alien dolls. Yeah, yeah those are great. Yeah. Uh, any more questions? Right there in the front row. Hey, so I think the movie looks really amazing, but frankly, I'm really curious how you're able to like convince someone to let you make it. I guess. I mean, I'm curious if it was based on like the strength of the script or maybe cast you already had. Um, but I mean, it, it doesn't look like the kind of film that someone would necessarily take a gamble on. Um, so I'm just like curious how you're able to convince someone to let you make it. Well, I'm just great, <laughs> and I do whatever I have to do to be great. And I can't be stopped. So I just get movies made. Here, here. Do you, are there any secrets to your greatness? Or do you want to keep those under lock and key so that everyone doesn't start just pilfering? When I say that, I mean that in a way that I just won't let anything stop me. So I've, I'm driven to a point where I just never doubt myself in that way that the film won't exist. So like I just will make it happen. I just like will it to happen because like for me there's like nothing more important than its existence. And so when you stand like that, it's hard to fall. Any more questions? That's a great answer to end on. All right. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Thanks for everybody. Up. Thanks for coming Take out. Take care. Thanks, man. Thank you.